0: Welcome to the 20th episode of Randomly Typed. I'm JS. I'm Lance. As you might be
1: hearing, we have new mics. Should be of a much greater quality. We've been uh, experimenting with a few different setups of variable quality. This should be the best one, hopefully.
0: Yeah, the room is still uh, echoey, but the mics shouldn't be picking up uh, as much echo as before.
1: Yeah, which is good. So today, we're going to be talking about a subject which has a bit more of a social science twist to it. All right, that's a first. So, JS. Yes. Did you vote in the latest Canadian federal election? Absolutely. Do you feel that your vote mattered? Absolutely not. Why is that?
0: I don't necessarily like how the voting is done right now. I feel like there's way too much strategic voting right now everyone is like yeah this year it's really important so i need to vote for this party f- so this other party doesn't get
1: elected right P- people in our current system you often hear about people not necessarily voting again for for voting for people who they believe in but those who they either don't want to get in or think they have the greatest chance of winning
0: yeah exactly so they're like voting against a party rather than for a party
1: but this sucks, right? We, we want fairness, and we want the good of the masses to decide like the fate of the next generation, right? We want fairness in our electoral systems, uh, and this is really like in order to protect democracy. Um, so can you think of a different system which would protect the interests of all of the electorate um, so that we can end up at an outcome that's fair and that actually represents what they want?
0: That's a good question. I don't have a solution for like the perfect fair system, but I think I have a solution for a fairer solution. Putting ranks when you vote will be more interesting because let's say you want to vote for a party that you know cannot win. Well, most people won't vote for that party because they're like, "Mm, no, I'd rather vote for the party that might win to prevent the other party that I don't want from winning. So here, what I would do is add ranking.
1: So that's a very common suggestion, Um, and that's actually, we're going to be exploring a lot of that today. But first, let's examine the current status quo. Canadian elections are complicated for lots of reasons. One of them that I kind of want to sidestep from the beginning is that uh, we have the concept of ridings, or circonscription in French, which is like different regions with different number of people in them based on their location have variable amounts of voting power. So what they don't want is for urban centers to be the only ones to control the outcome of the vote in the province or state.
0: Yeah, because I think in Quebec, more than 50% of the people is living in the greater area of Montreal. So this means that if they were controlling more than 50% of the votes, they could just ignore all the rest of the of Quebec.
1: So this is what uh, is something called If we ignore these boundaries, you have something called the popular vote, which is the vote that would have happened if none of these writings existed and every person's vote counted for one. Uh, That's not the current way of doing things for various social reasons. Do you know if there's any country doing that? Uh, I don't know, but I know, well, our country, oh, any country doing uh, the single? Yeah. I don't know, actually. No, I'm not aware of any, but I'm also not super cultured, so (laughs) I'm not aware. Okay. There is something called gerrymandering, which is a very fancy word. And what that basically means is just rigging elections so that the boundaries of the ridings are in favor of some politicians and not others. I
0: might not accept your description right now. Okay, but... Because the goal of gerrymandering is not to give advantage to one party is just to represent the population. Because in Canada, it's not decided by the party in power. There's like a group which is not associated to the government that decides that, which is not the same thing as the US.
1: Right. But I think um, the point I'm trying to get at is that it's complicated and these somewhat arbitrary boundaries can have a big impact on the outcome. Okay, fair. I'm going to sidestep this issue completely. For the rest of the conversation, let's assume that every vote from a single individual is equal to every other vote.
0: Okay, so not Canada.
1: Not Canada, no. Jess? Yes, Lance? What's your favorite programming language?
0: Ooh, that's a tricky question.
1: I know, it's a a really hard question. It's not even a question that makes sense.
0: Okay, there's too many variables, but... Give me three of them. Okay, cool.
1: I would say Rust. I would say
0: Scala. Let's go Ruby.
1: Okay, so we have Rust, Scala, and Ruby. Now, naturally, we as a developer pro- population, we want to figure out what is the singular best programming language. And every person in developer land can now have a vote to vote whether Ruby, Rust, or Scala is the singular best programming language. Does that sound good to you? <laughs> it's kind of cute, but yeah, sure. The way most parties the, most, the way most electoral systems work nowadays um, is something called the plurality method, or it's also called first-past-the-post, which is basically you go to the ballot, right? You go and you put your ballot with a single programming language on it. You say, I want this programming language to be the one. It is my singular favorite, and that is the one I want. Right, so that's like the normal way we're doing it right now. Right, and the one who ends up with the most votes is the one that wins, so notice that plurality, that this method, doesn't necessitate the majority. So if there are five parties, someone with 21% of the votes, let's say, can win. Absolutely. Um, and so that's actually how we currently have a minority government. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened, right? Um, when they say minority government, it's that the majority of people didn't vote for this person, but it was more than anyone else. So this is generally considered to be a pretty bad voting method. Can you guess why? I think you hinted at it before.
0: I guess that you don't get the party you really want in power?
1: Right. So it's related to strategic voting. So oh, right. what this is, is since you only have one and you have a not... If there was a party that wasn't particularly prominent, your vote would, in quotes, go to waste if you voted for them, right? If they mm-hmm. weren't going to win the election, no matter what. Over time, if you have this system and you trend it to infinity, over time, the amount of parties that win... It's a two party system. So everything flip flops from one to the other just because people are incentivized to choose the bigger party or to prevent the one who's already in place for a change, let's say.
0: Right. So, what you're saying here is that even if we have five parties, most of the time only two parties will get elected.
1: Right. And what's worse is that it discourages new parties from coming up because if they come up, there's a chance, it's very unlikely that they'll be able to actually make it w- to win.
0: Yeah, I really don't know much about the U.S. politics, but I feel like maybe that's what they're living right now.
1: Right. Yeah. So and that's also what we're living. I mean, maybe less so, but for the most part, it's been conservative and liberal for the past however long. Another interesting effect that happens from this is called the spoiler effect. So this is related to fragmentation. So this is when the mere presence of a third party to come up takes away From the votes that would go to the party that's most similar to them let's say we had rust ruby and scala let's say that rust and scala were more closely related and if you use rust you don't mind using scala and if you use scala you don't mind using rust but you do not want to use ruby let's say that's the current situation that's a fair assessment In a a race where can only vote for Rust, Scala, or Ruby, all of the people who are voting for either Rust or Scala are dividing their vote from their general preference. Whereas if, let's say, they only had the choice of Rust and Ruby, Rust would have won. But since that vote was being divided, Ruby wins.
0: Okay, sure, I can see that.
1: The mere presence of a similar party hurts that similar party, which really encourages a two-party system. this This is generally considered to be bad. We have things called ranked ballots, which some countries do, and that's a, as an alternative. Do you have examples? Scandinavian country, question mark, is my guess. But no, I don't, I, can't, I don't remember any specific ones. But I know in that general area of the world, there are countries that are either evaluating this or doing this. Sorry
0: for the too specific question.
1: <laughs> yeah, but again, I don't really know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> So this is a bit more complete of a picture. Because instead of being forced to vote for one, you now have an individual's ranking, right? You have their preference, an ordered list of their preferences of all parties. So you would think that this would be enough to form a fair system, right? You have all a person's interests. We should be able to form a compiled list of interests.
0: Yeah, but I feel like there's multiple ways of calculating the result of rank to vote.
1: So there are. Can you? Why do you think that?
0: No, in fact, I don't. I'm not sure. I, okay, I think there's a problem, but I'm not sure exactly what's the problem.
1: So, okay, we, let's, there's a few, there's a one big problem, which uh, has led economists or social researchers to come up with this paradox, actually. And it's very interesting. When you think about it, the plurality method we said before, so where you only vote for one, is technically a ranked method if you had only two people. So if you had only two parties... You would just say 1 and 2, which is effectively just 1, right?
0: Sure, whatever.
1: So, ranked systems are very similar to the plurality method if you only have two parties involved. You uh, do it by the same way. You pick the party with the most ones in it, and that will tell you your winner. It's not as simple when you have more than two options, though. So, let's pretend we had three people and the three languages. So, Ruby, Rust, Scala one person voted rust as their favorite one person voted ruby as their favorite one person voted scala as their favorite and then the same thing for their second favorite and then the same thing for their third favorite so if you look at everyone's favorite language it's a tie right because you just look at the number of ones in each bucket of the language bucket and there are an equal amounts between all of them how can we fix this like this is hard right what if we look at everyone's favorite pair of languages the top two
0: but how do you elect a government with that?
1: Well, let, let's just pretend you could, right? So, like, I, I assume that if you voted it one, two, three, and you, your w- number one language couldn't get in, you'd still prefer your second one getting in over your third one, right? That's natural, because you ranked them in that order. Okay. So, let's look at the, everyone's favorite pair of languages. Let's say, with the, the configuration we said before... We were like uh, – uh, it's kind of complicated to describe <laughs> in an audio format, but like Rust would be preferred over Ruby, let's say, because Rust would have had – one person would have said it was their favorite per- language while another person would have said it was their least favorite. Another person would have said it was their favorite, and it would have been their second favorite, and then another person would have said, said it was their second favorite, and another person would have said it was a third favorite. So it's so. a tie. So, well, no, in this case, Rust, more people prefer Rust to Ruby in this case. Because in one instance, they, like, someone voted 1-3, and then 1-2, and then 2-3. Okay, okay. So, like, more often than not, two times out of the three, people said, yeah, I want Rust over Ruby. The horrifying contradiction that follows is that this applies to every pair of language in this list. More people prefer Rust to Ruby, but also more people prefer Ruby to Scala, and also... More people prefer Scala to Rust if you look at these options. There's no like clear outcome of doing it this way by expanding the number of options that you can limit it to.
0: Right. It becomes like a circular dependency Right. Problem. So this
1: is actually called the Condorcet paradox. It's when you have everyone's individual ranking, but there's no clean-cut way to collectively have an outcome in their entire group ranking. Maybe to phrase it differently, it's if there is one candidate, one programming language that beats any other candidate, they should win. That is the Condorcet criterion. And we want that to be true because, well, I mean, not necessarily we want it to be true, but it's a desirable property of a system because then we know that it's like, it kind of models the two-party system, which we like, but with more options. Right.
0: Right. But here in this situation, the ranking is useless, no?
1: Right. So this way of ranking things does not satisfy the Condorcet criterion because we couldn't come up with a way in which we can find one candidate that is better than any other, that should win in every other case. Okay, makes sense. Um, and the reason why is that we've tried to reduce the problem of having three parties into two party, multiple two-party problem. And it doesn't always work. We can't have a system that always says that this works when you reduce it that way. And so we need a system that can view this problem through the lens of the complete ranking. Like one, two, three. You can't say just look at the top two. You really need a, a system which can account for the entire ranking. Okay. And even then, it's a difficult task. As a bit of an aside, back to fragmentation. So this is when you're forced to split your vote between two parties. This happens in a ranked system, too, actually, because it's not as bad, let's say, but there's no nice unit of measure to measure the arbitrary similarity of two parties.
0: I'm not sure to follow you right now.
1: If there are more than two options and we're using a ranked system, you can't measure the similarity of voting for one party or another.
0: Okay. So how do we fix that?
1: So the thing is that the only way we know how to fix it so far is to reduce it down to a two-party problem, uh, like multiple two-party problems, in which you can say, well, your vote isn't lost. Because, I mean, it's either one or the other. There's no extra third party which would distribute the vote.
0: But now it's useless because we don't want necessarily only two parties.
1: Right, exactly. And there's a bunch of side effects of doing that, even in ranked systems. Apparently, there's a way to solve this called cardinal voting, but we're not going to talk about it. We're probably going to talk about it in the next episode. But right now, we're only going to be talking about what we've been talking about, which is ranked voting systems. So this means that we have two episodes on the subject? We probably have three. Oh, wow. Yeah, we'll see. So a bunch of people have tried to come up with nice ranked voting systems, like better than the one we currently use in Canada and the States, which is just you vote for one person. Let's go through a few of them and see what might be wrong with them. So there's one called two round runoff. Uh, I also think that this is in use in some particular countries. I'm not sure where, but I think I saw a mention of it that it, like some some people actually use this system. You do a plurality vote once, so you vote for one person once. If the result is an overwhelm, is an is a majority, so, then they win. So more than fifty percent. More than fifty percent, they win in a multi-party system, right? Okay. If it's not more than fifty percent, what they do is they take the top two and you do another vote.
0: Oh wow, that's kind of interesting.
1: So. It's still just two first-man-past-the-post. It's still just two, but it gives you the semblance of degrees of ranking. Right, because
0: right? on the first vote, you will feel less bad about voting for your small party.
1: Yep. But it still doesn't take care of this total ranking, right? It still doesn't view your entire ranking as a list of preferences and everybody combining. So it doesn't satisfy that Condorcet criterion. Okay, that's right. And it still in part fragments the vote like there's still a bit of that spoiler effect it's you feel less bad but in the end you still have to vote for one of two parties you might not agree with okay there's another one called instant runoff and this is the one that they use to determine the winner of best motion picture for the oscars
0: (laughs) so you're telling me that the oscars has better voting than a country
1: yes much better wow It still suffers from condorcet, which is a property that we like, but it gets rid of at least part of the fragmentation of the spoiler effect we talked about earlier, where you don't really like you just want to prevent someone from getting in rather than voting for who you actually want. Uh, But how this works is they do a plurality vote so that you just vote for one person once and then you find the programming language with the least amount of votes. And then you eliminate it. And then you do another round of voting without that language. And then you find the one with the least and you eliminate it. And you repeat until there's only one left.
0: This is not realistic for a country. It would be so So it
1: would be extremely slow for a country. But in our imaginary programming language survey, it might work okay. But it still doesn't give you the Condorcet, which is in some situations you can end up where a person won. But some party in the middle had they been put against every other party, would have won. Like there would have been an alternate outcome. Okay. There's one called the board account too, which this one I've seen, I don't, I, I don't know, I, I tend to do this in like board games and stuff. So it's like you have rankings and you associate a point value with the ranking of like how much it's worth, but it's like a predefined point value. When a person votes one, this is 10 election points towards this person. And when they vote two, this is five election points. And if they vote three, it's 2.5 election points or something like that. So
0: they decide how much their vote is worth?
1: Uh, so it's decided in the system, but it just it gives you like a bit of a gradient, right? You're like, one means I really want this. Two means I'd be okay with this. And the difference between two and three is less, let's say. Okay, but this means that you have three votes to cast. You do the entire ranking for all of but like the points you get are a function of that ranking okay so you give a score to every party yes so it's very similar to the others in that the point values are kind of arbitrary it still doesn't solve the Condorcet, and that in the original ranking you might have had one party that would have beaten every other party but just because of the process you end up with a different ranking so all of these are kind of random, like people just thought of these as possible ways to improve the election system. But they aren't very rigorous, like we kind of just thought of them.
0: I'm sure there's some mathematical proof to do here that there's a best solution or best way of doing it.
1: So it's it's very hard because a lot of this is social science. And it it, just, it really depends on like what we value in a voting system. And it relates to human values and fairness and what that means in the real world. So it's very hard to do.
0: So there is no like perfect fairness description for
1: humans. That's what they're saying. Basically. Um, But there are people who have been trying to define... What are the specific characteristics of a voting system that best represents people and democracy? There are a couple of attributes that people identify with as being good. The Condorcet criterion is one of them. Just to restate that, I've said it a couple times, but that is if one candidate can beat any other candidate assuming that in a world where only those two candidates existed, then they should be the winner.
0: So here what it means that there's no strategic vote.
1: Yes, but more. We are, we can eliminate strategic vote through that thing called the spoiler, spoiler effect, but even systems which eliminate that still suffer from this. They're not perfect in that there are still some corner cases, some situations in which the outcome is different from what the Condorcet criterion says it should be. Okay. Or that it's not identifiable. Like, there's no clear winner that comes out of it. Okay.
0: And what are the other ones?
1: I'm going to leave that for the next episode. The next episode talks about Arrow's theorem. And so this is somebody who attempted to describe what it means to have a fair system, associate characteristics to it, and then demolishes our hopes and dreams. All right. So it formalized uh, elections. At least in part, and at least for ranked voting systems, yes.
0: All right, cool. And what will be the third episode?
1: We'll see if there is one. But it could be something called cardinal voting. That is voting in which there's a gradient. It's not just a one, two, three, an an order of preference. It's not a total ordering. It's Let's say you as an individual said that you had 100 election points, and you could attribute it freely to your will based on what parties you associate with and how you identify with them on a gradient
0: all right uh, sounds interesting
1: Ooh, yeah this one's a tough one this is uh tough because i don't know what i'm doing let me know if i've said anything wrong i'm sure someone's screaming at their their headphones or at their phone right now
0: but to be fair there's like 12 percent so the chance are that we have a social science doctorate is pretty low
1: pretty low yeah uh, let's hope anyway there's parts of this that are interesting because it's very real world. It's very some it's something that we all do, we all vote or at least most of us do. But there are some formal characteristics we can define and we can find paradoxes in in these in which like like the Condorcet paradox where there's no clear winner based on a subset of r- results.
0: All right, so let's talk about this in 2 weeks. Woo. Thank you Lance for all this research.
1: Uh you're welcome. <laughs> uh it was fun i'm I'm learning a lot along the way so nice
0: do we have a closing statement here
1: stick with us the next one is pretty mind-blowing all right (laughs) see you in two weeks see ya you can contact us and find show notes on our website
0: randomlytyped.com
1: the intro music is by vansky thank you vansky and thank you listener for indulging us